There we go. Got it. Okay. Susan has a fall earlier this week, and uh, wow, she looks great. I saw a few pictures early on, and it was looked like a pretty rough fall, but it looked like the Lord's healing. So, blessing. We pray you're not not so sore quickly. We're also rejoicing. Caden, one of our own here, is going to be baptized today, and we have one to celebrate in Arizona, Angelica has made a trek out there to see Brittany and Adam, and uh, 
she's going to be baptized today out there after their service. So that's amazing. Um, <clears throat> the verse that the Lord led me to today, um, it just almost brings me to tears because it's so perfect. Um, it's on page uh, 1398 <clears throat> is where we're going to begin. And there's some understanding here that I never got early in my life. You know, we, nothing against anybody, but we, we believe that the baptism was the completion. You're done. You're good. You know, here we are. We're, we're accomplished. And so um, we, the way I understand that now is that's the beginning as if the disciples followed the call to the Lord. The first day they went to walk with him. And so, and then they walked that whole ministry with him. And so it's a process. <clears throat> Salvation is a process. But this, this verse, we're going to, I think we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2 and go to 6. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him and he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And in my study Bible, that word perfected is highlighted and uh, it's a, Greek word obviously I'm not going to go there it's like teluo or something like that but the meaning of that is to complete, to accomplish to carry through to the end a successful conclusion to reach a goal or to fulfill that's different than I understood it you know, when I was growing up so nonetheless let's pray today <clears throat> Father we are so blessed to come to your house today to give you praise and honor and worship for not only what you've done in our lives, Lord, but what we see you doing in other lives. And I pray, God, for uh, for Caden and for Angela today as they begin that walk, Lord, where they can wake up every day and decide to live out your commands and to live out your will for their life. And so we pray for strength in them, and we pray for clarity that your spirit would lead them all their days. And they could stand one day and understand the word perfected later in life we bless you for what a picture this is and uh, lord we know it applies to all of us every day none of us are finished until the day we walk before you and so lord i pray continue to work in each one of us continue to bring us lord free of anything that could separate us from you and lord that you would work in a mighty way today in your people as we gather today bless you we pray you go with us today and all these things we're doing together in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. One day there'll be no more waiting left for our souls. One day there'll be no more children longing for home One day when the kingdom comes right here where we stand We will see the promised land 
You call my name 
was rich I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time Sin separated The breach was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You held me in your sight So you made a way across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside And there at the cross you paid the debt I owe Broke my chains, freed my soul for the first time I had hoped Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life, brought me from the darkness into my place laid inside my tomb of sin you were buried for three days but then you walked right out again and now death has no sting and life has no end for I
Good morning. Well, I loved the songs this morning. I love having this time to worship, but I love that last song, Thank You for the Blood. And um, so, you know, as we come today celebrating with uh, Caden and, um, and Angelica in this place of making Jesus Lord, as Rebecca was praying for these two, um, there is, there is just such a rejoicing in the heavens. And the Bible tells us that the angels are rejoicing. And that is so amazing that we are rejoicing today with the angels as they see these new lives. So as I come to teach this morning, Caden, I, I wanted to kind of start at the beginning of the Bible and run through the whole thing. Is that... <laughs> So, you know, Paul did that, and if you remember, some of the people actually fell out the window, you know, because they got so worn out and tired, <laughs> and no, we won't do that. We'll just, uh, but I do want to share with you some things that the Lord has placed on my heart today, and and I uh, talk not only to Caden and to Angelica today, but to each of us, that we would be uh, refreshed and reminded of God's truths. So if I wanted to pick out a, probably a couple of places, Caden asked me the other day, he said, uh, he said, can you tell me where your favorite chapter in the Bible is? And I, <laughs> and I said, oh, absolutely. I can tell you that in a heartbeat. It is uh, John 17. And I love John 17. It is right before he goes to the cross, and he's praying for his disciples. And uh, so he's praying to the Father the last few things that he wants the Father to hear. So that's really one of my favorite chapters in the whole, whole book of the Bible. And um, 
but here in today, I want to give you one of my favorite couple of verses. And, uh, and so if you take notes, this is a great place you can write these down. But the first one, let's turn to, and if you're in our Bibles, they're on page 1303. So turn to page 1303, and it's Romans 10. Verse 9, one of the things when Caden and I were talking the other day, I was asking him, I said, well, tell me about some of your favorite. And he said, well, one of my favorite is Paul. He said, I love to read about Paul. And, um, and I love that because today I'm going to pull a lot from Paul's writings, Caden. So you'll relate well to these things. So Romans 10 chapter 10 verse 9 it's on page 1303 and it says that if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has already I'm sorry that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved if you confess with your mouth in other words if you declare publicly if you speak out, if you talk to the Lord even, it is a place of confession, a place of declaring, a place of saying, but it's something important I want you to see right here. It doesn't just say that Jesus would be your Savior. It says with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. You have to come to a realization that Making Jesus Savior and going about ruling your own life is not what the Bible is talking about in believing. But Paul describes it very well right here. He says, you confess with your mouth that the Lord is, that Jesus is the Lord. What does that mean? That means that you no longer reign. In fact, Paul says it very well. He says, I no longer live, but Christ who lives in me. And that means that you don't get to make all the choices that you want to do sometimes. It doesn't mean sometimes that you get to do what everybody else is doing. But rather you do what Jesus desires for you to do. And that and that alone. That is making Jesus Lord. So let's read that again with that understanding. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. And then it goes on to say, For, <clears throat> for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made until salvation. So you begin to believe this place in your heart, but your mouth will speak out what's in your heart. It's a place that your actions will come forth to begin to define what's really in your heart. So salvation was a few days ago when you came to that place and you said, I want you to be Lord. But I want to tell you something, Caden, and I want to tell Angelica something, and I want to remind all of us of something, and that is it's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing that you say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. Paul is really helping us to understand it's not a one-time thing. He's saying it will be a part of who you are, a part of your life. You will confess it daily. 
It will be who you are. That you're no longer who you used to be. All right, I want to turn a few pages back to uh, Romans 6, 1. A few pages back to Romans 6, 1 on page 1298. And Paul again is writing to the church at Rome and it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's saying, so once you've come to receive Jesus and make him Lord of your life, he's actually saying, so, you know, you, you now have this grace of where Jesus forgives your sin. So can you continue to sin? And Paul writes and he says, he says, certainly not. In, in verse 2, he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. This is a scripture that's, that's quoted very, 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 very often. And there is so much packed in it that it is, exact, it is important that we understand exactly what it is saying to us today. He says, therefore, we're buried with him in the baptism unto death. That just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. So the Lord showed me a place many years ago that helped me to kind of understand the fullness of what Paul is talking about right here when he says we're buried with him in baptism but raised in a new place of life. And he began to talk to me in a place of understanding about a sponge. And uh, he, he showed me many years ago, he said, Deb, I want you to get a sponge and I want you to think about this sponge as being you. And this sponge, if you've ever had a, a new sponge or one that's been sitting on the cabinet for a little while, it's very hard. It's very hard. And in fact, it's not very useful. If you want to go wipe up something, how many of you have done that? You've grabbed a sponge that was just still hard and you went to wipe up something. It really doesn't wipe anything up. It just kind of moves it around. And it really doesn't help. It doesn't fulfill its purpose. So if you want it to be pliable, where it will really work as it's supposed to, then it has to be immersed. Immersed. Baptized, if you will. Do you know that baptism, that's exactly what it means. It means to be immersed, to go all the way down into the water. 
to be completely immersed. And so such it is with the sponge is that you can baptize the water, if you will. I'm sorry, baptize the sponge into the water. And then when you pull the sponge up, you're going to see something. First of all, it becomes very pliable. Now it is useful for its purpose. It will wipe up. It will do what it's supposed to do. But the other thing that you see when it's immersed is it takes on the form of the water. Do you see that? It becomes where it not only is its own self anymore, but it's the water that lives in it that makes it fulfill its purpose. Now it's pliable, it can come and it can cleanse and do things that you need it to do. This is so much a picture of where we really are today is when we come to this place and we have made Jesus Lord, then the next thing that he asks us to do is to be baptized. Baptized is a picture, it says, to be baptized into his death. It is a picture of being immersed into the water and choosing to die to yourself. The things that you want, the things that you desire to do, the way that you want to live your life. But it says you don't stay right there. You die to yourself to be raised up to be a new creation to have a new place, a purpose in what God created you to be. Just as the sponge is immersed and then raised up to fulfill its purpose. Such as it is with baptism. It's a place to be immersed and die to yourself, to be raised up, to walk in a new way that you've never walked before with Jesus being Lord. That means you have to ask Jesus about everything. That amazes people sometimes when I say that. People go, really, about everything? I go, yes. You want to go on vacation? You should ask Jesus. Jesus, are we supposed to go on vacation? Because you know what? He knows all things. And he knows whether it's a good trip for you to go or not a good time for you to go. I have people in, in here that would give testimony that one time they went on vacation and they didn't ask and it was a disaster. But if you ask, there have been times when I ask about things and God says, no, mm -mm, don't do this today. Because he knows what needs to be happening in our life. So we can ask him about the... Uh, everyday things as well as the churchy things. The things that you need help in school. You need help on a test. You need decisions to be made. He wants to be a part of your life. And every part of your life, he wants to be Lord. But I want to read on here with Paul in verse 5, chapter 6, verse 5. He says, For... If we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. 
So how are we baptized into his death? We're baptized into his death in that our old self is crucified. In fact, Jesus says, he says, take up your cross daily. He's saying, go over here and nail the what you want to do to the cross. Man, that is a hard message for us, isn't it? We want to just live our lives. We want to do what we want to do. And yet Paul is saying, he's, he's bringing this understanding straight from Jesus. And he's saying, You're, you've been crucified with him. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and you come to this place to unite yourself with him, then you have to make a decision that I want my will to be crucified. It's so important when we come to this place and we think, yes, I want Jesus to be Lord. That sounds so awesome. But we have to realize that the first step is to crucify who you are. That's a challenging place. A challenging place. But it's what the Bible calls us to over and over and over. Let's go on here and read in um, verse 7. Well, let's, go, let's read this again in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. What, right there, I want to stop and I want to ask you, do you know what sin is? I want to put a marker here and I want to come back to this. Because most of my life, I thought sin was just a place of kind of deciding what you thought was right or wrong. If, if you were doing kind of good things, then it was probably okay and not a sin. If you were doing some bad things that your parents told you not to do, then it was probably sin. And I didn't really understand where sin's dividing line was. It was kind of like anybody could figure out where they wanted sin to be. And in fact, I've had some people say, well, that may be sin for you, but it's not sin for me. And I thought about this for many years. I thought, how can that be? Do we all get to just decide what we think sin is? But you know what is so awesome? The Bible tells us exactly what sin is. So I want you to look with me in 1 John, and it's on page 1400. And 1 John defines what sin is. So you don't ever have to ever have to wonder whether it's sin or not. It's defined for you in the Bible. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. John writes and he says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Sin is breaking God's law. Sin is lawlessness, breaking whose laws? The laws of our country? Well, then you would be in lawlessness in the United States if you're breaking our laws here. 
Or if you're in the county and you drive too fast, you're in lawlessness and you're breaking the laws of the county. But this is talking about far more than just those laws. He's talking about God's laws. So how do you know God's laws? You've got to read the Bible every day. You've got to be listening. Jesus is going to tell you. Jesus is going to guide you through the Holy Spirit. But you've got to be in his word to understand what is right and what is lawlessness. So let's go back to Romans 6, understanding that place of sin on page 1298. It says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. In other words, if you've buried yourself of sin, you've crucified your own sin, and you've buried yourself here, it says you're free from sin. Wow. That is amazing. It says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. And then verse 14, he repeats this place again. He says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Shall not have dominion over you. And I love down at the verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. This picture, this picture of dying to sin and to be raised up. And Paul is saying that you, there is a new creation, a new man that no longer has, the, uh, has any dealings with that sin and no longer is under its dominion, and no longer has to be a slave to sin because it's dead. Through Christ. That's how you're baptized into Christ and immersed into him. And it has no authority. Turn with me to John 4, it's on page 1224. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, when the Lord... Uh, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. So J Jesus taught his disciples to baptize new believers. To baptize new believers. And I want you to understand something. This was before the New Testament was written. 
Oftentimes we think baptism is a New Testament understanding and that only belongs to believers. But that is not true. It is an understanding from the very beginning that God had in, more, in motion. I want to turn with a couple of other places. I want you to see some places here. Acts 2, it's on page 1254. Acts 2, verse uh, 38. And Peter is, is, uh, is teaching here, and he speaks to these people that he's been talking to, and he says in verse 38, he says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized in the name of, the, of Jesus be, named, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So for a long time, I thought we were supposed to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because it talks about that place in Matthew. But that's for another day and another teaching. But it's really talking about immersing people in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and immersing them that they would know the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But what Peter is talking about here is where we as new believers will find ourselves in baptizing you in the name of Jesus Christ because you are being buried into his death and raised through his life. Do you see that? Yes, so this place of being baptized in the name of Jesus. That's where your authority is, in him. So I wanted you to see that. Um, let me turn over a few pages to Acts 8, just a few pages over, Acts 8, 34. So Philip is talking to the eunuch here in verse 34. It says, So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip says, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ. I want you to know this. Christ is not his last name. God, it's not Jesus, and his last name was Christ. Christ means the Messiah, the anointed one. The, it, it is understanding of, the, of God's purpose in who he is and his purpose in what he's going to do. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is the one that would come. And um, I want to look one more page over. 
uh, chapter 9, verse 17. And I, I pulled this scripture particularly because, Caden, the other day we were talking about Paul and you were talking about his journey on the road and how he became blind, right? And so this is in that very situation, verse 17. It says, And Ananias, who was sent to Paul, you remember that, went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. This place of baptism was an understanding long before the New Testament was, was written. And you can go back and do lots of, of studies in understanding where that really originated from, even in the Old Testament. But I want to give you one place to hold on to today, and then we'll close. So turn with me to the very beginning of your Bible, to Genesis 1, because I want to show you that baptism is not just a New Testament understanding. It's a part of God's purpose for all times, since the beginning, since the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, actually. So Genesis 1, you would remember these scriptures well. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form it was, and was void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in the very beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. But he says the earth was without form. It was in chaos. And darkness was on the face of the earth. There was darkness everywhere. When it's talking about darkness here, it's talking about evil, evil spirits, and the, and the darkness of the enemy of God, Satan. And he's saying there was chaos, and it says it was void. That means it was empty. So it was just a mess of darkness. And then it says in verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. He divided the light from the darkness. The good from the evil, if you will. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then I want you to listen to this next little bit. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. A firmament. A firmament is kind of like a, like a big dome, like a, um, a platform. So, and, and it says that God said, let there be a firmament amidst the waters. So we don't understand, but if you're looking down at the earth, what we think of as earth, we see water and land. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there was only water. And God divided the water with this dome, this, plat this platform, okay? And he said in the midst of the waters, uh, 
and let, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from, where, uh, from which were above the firmament, and it was so. So here's all this water, just water, water, water. It doesn't even make sense to me because don't we think water would just fly off into space or something? I mean, this is so out of my understanding. But God comes and he says, here's all this water and I'm going to put a firmament, a dome right in the middle of all that. And some of the water is going to be above and some of the water is going to be below. That's what he's saying. And then verse 8 says, And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. So God calls the waters, and he says, I want these waters over here. Y'all gather up. Gather up waters. Come on. Waters, gather, gather, everyone gathering. Yeah, you hadn't thought about it like that. That's what the Bible says. He gathered up the waters, and then it says, he, uh, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And all of a sudden it says, and God called the dry land earth. And all of a sudden he gathers up, and then he says, dry land appear dry land you appear appear out of this water came dry land and he called it earth and he gathered together the waters and called the seas and God saw it was good. This is the first picture of baptism in the Bible. Out of the waters, he called the land a new creation to be birthed. Out of the waters, he called the land. And it says he, it was good. This word good in the Hebrew mean, is tov. And it means for God's purpose. It didn't mean it was good, it looked good, it felt good. It didn't mean that. It meant it was for God's purpose. And so God, in the midst of all these waters, he calls forth the land. And the land appeared. The land didn't say, I think not. It appeared. And God said, it's good. It's for my purpose. And I want you to hear me. That's the picture in baptism. That when you go down and you die of your will and you crucify your desires, God's going to call you forth to appear a new creation for his purpose. Bless the Lord. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to sing one closing song. 
we will not have a closing prayer, but rather we'll go to the MCM and we will have our closing by a baptism over there. And if you all will meet right there in front of the pool area, then we'll meet with you shortly after that. Thank you.
all I need. Oh, it's all I need. Won't you give me Jesus? Oh, it's all I need. Just give me cheese.